and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 8 tonight. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 as we are working our way on Wednesday nights to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and we're looking at verses 2 through 8 tonight. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, chapter 8 verses 2 through 8. Verses 2 through 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verses 2 through 8. Let's look at verse 2. I counsel thee to keep the king's commandment, and that in regard of the oath of God, be not hasty to go out of his sight. Stand not in an evil thing, for he that doeth whatsoever he pleaseth him. Where the word of the king is, there is power. And who may say unto him, What doest thou? Whoso keepeth the commandment shall feel no evil thing, and a wise man's heart discerneth both time and judgment. Because to every purpose there is a time and judgment, therefore the misery of the man is great upon him. For he knoweth not that the, that which shall be, or who can tell when him when him when it shall be? There is no man that hath power over the spirit to retain the spirit. Neither hath he power in the day of, of death, whereas there is no discharge in that war. Neither shall wickedness deliver those who are given to it. Father, we just pray, Lord, tonight again. We ask for discernment and wisdom. Help me, Lord, to be able to clearly explain. Uh, these words, Father, help me to be able to uh, communicate them clearly to those who are listening tonight and online, maybe later on. I pray that you just bless this evening. Give us ears to hear. And what we hear and understand, help us to obey. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In a Daily Bread illustration that I read recently, that during World War II, a family in Sussex, England, sent some money to a missionary society. And they closed the letter saying they wanted to give more, but the harvest on their farm was being threatened by lack of rain. They were fearful of German bombs being dropped in the area, putting their farm and crops at risk, not to mention their own lives. He asked the staff of his mission to pray that no bombs would fall on their back of their land. The director of mission society wrote back and wisely responded that while they did not believe they could pray that exact prayer, they would indeed pray the family would trust God's will, whatever it was, for their lives. Shortly after, a German missile, German bomb, landed on their property. No family member was hurt, and the livestock, home, and barn were all fine. That, but that bombshell went so far into the ground that it liberated an underground, underground stream. The new stream yielded enough water to irrigate their entire property, as well as neighboring farms. So sometimes even bombs are a blessing. They fall from heaven, make a lot of noise, and liberate us within a new stream of trust and faith in the provision of God. God has a way of using even inconveniences, trials, and even difficulty to make us wiser and draw closer to him. Maybe in your life you've had some bombs. All of us in life will face some type of trouble. It's just part of life. No one, no matter how you, how who you are, or what, you, where you've been, or, or how rich, or how poor, uh, how healthy, or you'll face bombs in life. It's just part of it. It's part of life. The question is, how will you respond to it? Of course, Solomon he dealt with bombs. Bombs in his own life, bombs because of personal choices, things that happened to him personally. So tonight we're going to look at some wise words from this man who experienced bombs in his life 
and how to maybe understand them when they come in our life. Well, first of all, we see this verse 2, Ecclesiastes, it says, I counsel thee to keep the king's commandment that in regard of the oath of God. First of all, he says the principle of obedience to authority. He says, basically, Solomon is the king, and as a king, we realize that he has a level of authority, and because he has a level of authority, he should be obeyed. There's a principle of obedience to authority. The Bible says in Proverbs 21.1, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whatsoever he will. We talked about this a few, things, a few, a few weeks ago, that God himself places those who are in authority. Now, people say, well, you know, give lots of reasons and upset because of elections and lots of, re and lots of things. But ultimately, God is in control. God, it may not seem like God's in control. But God's in control. He has this thing figured out. He knows what's happening, though we may think he doesn't know what's happening. He always is in control. We believe that God is sovereign. And he places up places kings, even bad kings. You say, preacher, even bad kings? Have you read the Old Testament? <laughs> read, kings, read men like Ahab. Uh, Ahab and Manasseh look, make Joe Biden look like a, a choir boy. Just read about their lives. They are wicked men. Who set them up? God Almighty set them up. God Almighty. For a reason and a purpose. Is, that, is it something we can understand and fathom? No, it's past our understanding. It's past our, past our being able to fathom it. And it's good that we are because he's God and we are not. He knows the beginning to the end. He knows what he is doing. That's why we have to trust him. That's why we believe he's in control. He is sovereign. And we have to trust him with our lives and decisions that are made. The Bible says in Romans chapter 13, Paul writes the church at Rome, let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that are be are ordained of God. He's a pastor. Things are bad. Yeah, they're bad. And if you read the Bible, things are going to get worse. Things are going to get much worse. They have to for the Antichrist to come and rule and reign in this earth like we believe he is. From the studies that we've had in these past years in the Sunday school and in church, we know that things have to get darker. They have to get worse, and they will get worse. So don't be dismayed. Don't be surprised. Don't be alarmed if things get worse in this world and it's more difficult to live the Christian life and, tell the, and speak the truth. It's been that it's it's going to be that way. But dear friends, there's been periods of times, even in the history of the world, where it's been a worse, lot worse than it is now. Do you realize 1900 years ago, Christians were tarred and feathered and set as torches in the garden of Nero during Paul's time? It's pretty pretty rough. Anabaptists, 500 years ago believed that baptism by immersion was to take place only by those who generally trusted in Christ. And so the, the, some people said who, who didn't believe in, in baptism, well, if you want to be immersed so badly, they were drowned. Several hundred years ago in Scotland, believers, uh, Protestants like John Knox, the reformer, suffered for their faith. They lost their ears or lost their hands. They were killed. They were impelled on church steeples as a warning to other Protestant believers. Dear friends, 
things have been worse in the history. We've been in America in the last couple of years basically in a bubble, really. But historically, the church has gone through lots of persecution, lots of persecution. And that will happen, of course, in the future. So there is the principle of obedience to authority. Secondly, there's a principle of patience in the process. Verse, th- verse 3, it says, it says, Be not hasty to go out of his sight. Be, don't, don't, don't make decisions just off the cuff. Basically, Paul is saying, I mean, Solomon is saying, slow down. Stick it out. Abide your time. Be careful what you say. Be careful about what you do. Man, it's easy to overreact, especially when you have authorities who are not fair, uh, especially when you have uh, phone carriers who don't treat you right. <laughs> I recently hastily changed my phone carrier, and I thought, well, that'll be easy. I'll just go to somewhere else. Oh, probably about 24 hours worth of talking and going to stores and talking some more and I wish I'd never done anything but I got myself upset got frustrated changed phone carriers went to another phone carrier almost went to a third care phone carrier and wind up going back to the first phone carrier and it cost me a whole lot of whole lot of time and probably cost me some money too if I'd have just said you know what I'll just cool down. I'll just let it pass. But man, when you get upset and get frustrated, it's easy to say things. It's easy to do things that you regret. So you must be always careful and and be patient in the light of things that happen to us in our life. Thirdly, the principle of loyalty to an office. The Bible says there in verse 3, Stand not in the evil thing, for he doeth whatsoever he pleases. Where's the word of a king is, there's power, and who may say unto him, what doest thou? So, we're basically saying, be careful about being unkind to those even who treat you wrongly, even those who are in a, uh, in a, in a position of authority. Be careful, because you, you, you know, when someone treats you wrong or treats you bad, you want to you you lash out, you want to say something or do something, that, that, that you'll probably regret later on in life. Be very careful when that police officer stops you on 39th Street when you're going a little too fast trying to get to some place of how you react. That might have a lot to do with how much the ticket will be. <laughs> or my former pastor, he hardly ever got a ticket, but his wife had a little bit of temper. A little bit of redhead, a little bit of redhead in her, and sometimes she would get stopped, and he would, he would, he. She said he would rue the day when she got stopped because she'd get upset about it. And it's easy too, and I found myself sometimes doing that. But you got to be careful what you say. Again, careful how you respond to other people. I read an illustration that when Grover Cleveland from Buffalo. New York ran for president in the late 1800s. It was discovered that he had fathered a child out of a wedlock. So his opponent, James Blaine, quickly made the front page news and even nicknamed Cleveland the Beast of Buffalo. So Cleveland's party retaliated by creating a little poem to insult Blaine. It went like this, Blaine, Blaine, continental liar from the state of Maine. So Blaine's, of course, Blaine's part retaliated by creating their own little poem that referred to Cleveland's immorality. 
it went like this, Mama, where's my pa? <laughs> but Cleveland won the election, and the party got the final word by writing one more line to the chant. It said, Mama, where's my pa? He's gone to the White House. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> oh, man, be careful what you say, because that could come back to haunt you in so many ways. Be careful. Fourth, the prohibition of sinning against God. The Bible says in verse 5, Whoso keepeth commanding commandments shall feel no evil thing. Here's the fundamental principle of obedience to the commandments of your authority. The boundary line for obedience, only obey the command of your authority as long as that command does not require you to obey a higher authority that is the word of God. So obey the authority that God has placed over your life Unless, there's a, unless a bang that is going to cost you to disobey the authority, which is the word of God. And, of course, we have this illustration throughout scriptures. In Acts chapter 5, verse 29, Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. They were telling them to stop. Don't, don't preach in the name of Jesus. Quit what you're doing. You're doing something wrong. At that point, Paul, I mean, Peter and John said, Hey, we have to obey God rather than men. And I believe, ultimately, as the days get darker, we're going to probably have to obey the authorities that are over us because I believe there's going to be times, and I'm surprised that it hasn't happened, but I'm sure they're, they're passing laws where they tell you you cannot tell others about Jesus. You cannot try to proselyte. You cannot share the gospel. But the Bible specifically tells us in the Great Commission that we're supposed to preach the gospel. We're supposed to tell people about Jesus. So at that point, what are you going to do? Are you going to obey the authorities and not tell the people about Jesus? Or are you going to obey the Bible? So there's going to be times, and it's happened in the past, John Bunyan, we just saw it, Pilgrim's Progress. Why was he in prison for 13 years? For preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was in prison for doing the same thing that I'm doing freely this evening. And I have no doubt, especially if the rapture tarries for many more years, they'll be in this city, especially as liberal as it is, there'll be tighter and stricter laws. I am very surprised that they allow us to pass tracts at the University of Florida. But thank God they do. And we're going to keep doing it till, till, till they say to us, you can't do it anymore. And so we, 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 we got to be careful about it, but we also have to obey God rather than men. And we don't have to be mean-spirited about it. We don't have to be haughty about it, but we have to obey God rather than men. Next, being careful about the prohibition of speaking out of turn. Because to every purpose is the time of judgment. Therefore, the misery of man is great upon him. For he knoweth not that which shall be. be for, he, who, for who can tell him when it shall be? In other words, look for the right time and the right place and the right way to speak, if you speak at all. That's, that goes for every area of life. It's not just what you say. It's when you say it and what tone that you say it. And, and, and before you say anything, pray about what you say. Oh, he that keepeth his mouth and tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. How often would you and I get, get ourselves out of trouble if we only think about what we say before we actually said it? How many times, men and women, you folks who've been married, would you got yourself out of trouble if you just wouldn't have said that? If you just said, well, I, I, I'm going to hold my tongue. 
I'm going to wait. I'm going I'm to say it at a, at a different time. Ladies, let me give you a little encouragement. <laughs> hey, best time to you talk to your husband is after dinner. <laughs> a- after he's had food, okay? Before, no, 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 no. That's not the good time. Wait till the man's home. Wait till he's rested. Wait to have some food in the belly. Because if you try to talk to him before he's had food, always thinking about his food. He's not thinking about wanting to discuss about what troubles were of the day and how to fix them. So just some wisdom. Wisdom. Think about how you're going to say, to say things. Be careful how we say those things in our life. Solomon rattles off four limitations now here, each of them beginning with the Hebrew word no or not. First of all, no one can control the wind. No one can control the wind. Verse 8. There is no man that hath power over the spirit to retain the spirit. <laughs> the word wind here in Hebrew language, the same word for wind making the idea, the phrase about death or what can happen in life. So here's the point. How powerful is that boss or that teacher or that supervisor who may be uh, driving you towards insanity? Do they have the ability to stop the wind? No, nobody has the power to stop the wind. One author suggests that Solomon is referring to categorically the weather. In other words, the most powerful person on earth can't make the breeze blow or a hurricane stop. All of us have a limited amount of power. Secondly, or third or seventh actually, no one can determine their lifespan. No one can say exactly how long they're going to live. Neither hath he power in the day of death, neither is there discharge in that war, neither shall wickedness deliver those who are given to it. No matter how powerful a person is, he can't stop the wind. No matter how powerful, no matter how wealthy, no matter how gifted, no matter how talented a person is, he cannot determine primarily when the day of his, di- of his death is going to be. That's in God's hands. It's in God's hands. When King Louis the Fourteenth was dying, he called his son into his room, and his last words to him were, Son, profit by my errors, and remember this, kings die like every other man. Kings die like every other man. No matter how powerful, no matter how gifted, every one of us dies. It's appointed unto man, the Bible says, once to die, and after this the judgment. We can't control those things. Solomon writes in the middle of verse 8, there's no discharge in war. He, he's referring to battle or simply the battles that challenge life. Solomon is essentially saying here that even those, th- even those who have everything, there's no escape from the difficulties of life. Those are the bombs of life that come that we can't, can't, can't outspend or live in a perfect place or live in a perfect society or stay away from. Sometimes we think, well, we'll just, you know, stay away from trouble and we'll, 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 we'll seclude ourselves and we'll be in a, a, a hiding place. But even in the most secluded place, even in the, so unquote, the, 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 the place where there's no danger or no trouble, there's going to be trouble. There's going to be problems internally and externally because that's just, that's just how life is. We can expect that. And really, would, can anybody say they, they would want a life with no trouble? Well, we, we may think we'd want, we would, wouldn't want that, but really, that's just not reality. And really, that'd be like, a, like, be like going to school without any homework. Now, that sounds good to a kid. 
but it really, without homework, without tests, without quizzes, would that student really grow or know what they were supposed to be taught? And really, it's the same in our life. Without the tests and troubles and problems in life and the problems and troubles that you've had in your life, would you even be here on a Wednesday night at North Gainesville Baptist Church for Bible study? Probably not. Because it's those tests, it's those difficulties, it was those bombs in life that, that happen to each of us that help us to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, bombs can either make us bitter, and I've seen that, and you have too, or they make us better. We have to make a decision how we're going to respond to the troubles and difficulties of life. Hopefully, we respond pro- po- positively. And number eight this evening... No one can get around the consequences of sin. Neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 8. Literally translated, wickedness will not, will not deliver its masters. People in power can become masters of wickedness, but as much as they bluster and brag and sin against God and against others, they will not be able to get around the consequences of sin. For every person, there is a day of judgment. All of us will face some type of judgment. We know for us as believers, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Well, we will be rewarded or our rewards will be taken away, not based on our sin, but basically on our performance as Christians after salvation. Some will receive crowns. Some will not, will be denied crowns. And that will be based on your faithfulness. It will be based on what you do and the sincerity of your heart. How you, how you live. There's five crowns that we've looked at in the past that God will give those, uh, those who love his appearing, those who are faithful, those who endure to the end, those type of things that are lasting and pure and righteous and holy. They will deserve, they will deserve and receive certain type of crowns. But the reality is, for those who don't know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior, we know there's going to be time, I believe, after the, after the millennium, well, people who do not know Jesus Christ, their personal Savior, they'll stand before the white throne, white, throne, uh, white throne judgment of God. And every person that does not trust in Jesus Christ by, will be judged by Jesus Christ and ultimately cast into the lake of fire. So not, not, every one of us who live will either, as Christians, stand before the judgment for Jesus Christ in heaven, I believe, during the tribulation, or stand at, the, at a white throne judgment for those who do not know God, the white throne judgment after the millennium. So all of us are going to face judgment. The question is, what type of judgment are we going to receive? What type of we will incur? So wisdom is to know that even if a bomb falls in your life, God has reasons for that bomb. Now, they may seem terrible at the beginning. They may seem, they may seem frustrating. They may seem uh, problematic. But God has a reason. I recently visited a dear friend who had some very difficult bombs in his life. And he shared with me uh, the, the problems and troubles that he had. And they were just really horrific. And I was sad to see my friend go through these things. But those things that he was going, going through in life, though they were really unfair. And he could, he could get mad about them. He could have, and I've seen, I've seen people quit church over a whole lot less, over a whole lot less. He didn't allow himself to get bitter. Didn't allow himself to get mad at God. Oh, it was harsh. It was frustrating. It was upsetting. And it was really unfair how he was treated. But instead of getting mad at God, 
he allowed that situation, see that situation, for recognizing that God was using it for a reason and a purpose, and allowed him to be placed in another place, in another position that he would not be if, those, if that bomb, if that trouble, if that difficulty did not come into his life. And he wound up being in a better circumstance, a better situation in his life. And he's happier, and he and his wife are happier now than they were before. But what did it take? It took some bombs. It took some disappointments. It took some betrayal. It took some, it took some saying no to bitterness and hurt. Feelings and harsh words. It, it, it took some pain and suffering that a lot of times people sometimes don't even get over. But God used that bomb in their life to bring them to a better place. Now sometimes we think, Lord, how are you going to use this? How are you going to use this pain, this suffering, this, this difficulty in my life? Well, do you first of all realize it's, it's from God Every time, you know, funny thing, every time we think something bad happens, we automatically say it's the devil. <laughs> you ever meet somebody that every time everything bad turns around and says, oh, it's the devil. The devil gets, bl he gets blamed for everything. He gets blamed for everything. People give the devil a whole lot more power than he actually has. Now, can the devil, can God use even what the devil's done? Yes, he has. And, of course, we know the perfect picture is in Job and also in Paul. And we looked at that, we've looked at that in the past several times.